passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You guys came here looking for a job. Yeah. Didn't you guys get fired for attacking your general manager and commissioner? Well, okay, I'm having a yes, hard time Yes, yes, but listen, it's very different over there. There was a personal vendetta. Oh, yeah. It won't happen Absolutely. here. No. Uh, you don't understand. Look, we've realized a lot in the last 24 hours. We need to not be about ourselves. We realize we need to be team players. Okay, well, um, my tag team division is full, but I hear that TNA is hiring. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome, everybody. It's John Pollock and waiting back in Canada. Way, are you alive? I'm here. I don't know what your sleep was like on Monday, but I last saw you around noon today. And for the past, I want to say, 36 hours, I think I have slept for three of those. Oh, wow. Oh, you, I've I, been, I have been up all day. I slept for 90 minutes before Raw, and that was essentially my sleeping today so were you up um you've been up essentially since like uh yesterday afternoon before our listener meetup you and i got up at about because we finished that super card of honor review really late saturday night early sunday morning woke up at 9 9 30 yeah and i've pretty much been up since 9 30 a.m central time sunday morning oh that's uh that's a long time I, i at least caught some sleep like when i got home um but uh i'm not tired at all though that's the thing i think i've got a little bit of this uh whatever vince mcmahon is able to do i think i've caught some of that so i i have plenty of energy i warn people ahead of time this was going to be an awful rewind to raw i take that back it's going to be amazing oh okay then great you can make up for me then because I'll, I'll i'll tell you you know you i'm very excited for these post mania raws but i feel like um after the entire week of wrestling that we've seen which we'll uh, talk a, a bit about before we start. Uh, so much of the wrestling on this show just seemed completely inconsequential. You know, it was this was a show all about news. Yeah, it was nothing about wrestling, like yeah. in ring, I should say. But let's uh, let's give a quick recap of the week that we've been through, John. Our first WrestleMania as post wrestling. Yeah, and um, Way's going to go through some of the shows that we have up there uh, for everybody out there. But I just want to thank. Uh, so many of our listeners that we got to meet and so many of you that uh, downloaded our shows. Uh, we were looking at, at the numbers today. Uh, they were tremendous. Uh, as Wei said, this is our first uh, coverage on the road of any event, much less uh, WrestleMania, since we launched the site back in December. So uh, it was a real high point for, uh, for us, these uh, 
this last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we especially want to thank, of course, every all of our patrons who uh, basically make all of these shows possible. And uh, to those of you who are new patrons just joining us out of Mania season, uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, here's a glimpse of basically what we put out on the Patreon feed at postwrestlingcafe.com over the past week. So John and I basically documented our entire trip via our WrestleMania Road Diary podcast. And we start on Thursday where you and I, John, we watch Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, which is like a shoot style uh, wrestling type of experimental promotion that Matt Riddle was putting on. And this featured, of course, a main event of Matt Riddle versus Minoru Suzuki. So that was a lot of fun to talk about as well, John. And and also feels like three weeks ago. I can't believe that was... Do you remember? Anyway, yes. That was uh, Thursday. Thursday afternoon. I know. We also talk about our experience hosting Wale Mania. John and I were hosts of uh, the annual, I would say, the biggest WrestleMania pre-party that Court Bauer and Wale have been putting on for a number of years now. And John and I had the pleasure of hosting a panel. And we give our very honest critiques of uh, our, our own podcast panel performance. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to talk about, and thank you guys for your feedback for that. Night two, night two, night two of our New Wrestle- Orleans of our WrestleMania Road Diary saw us actually going to a number of shows uh, for the first time the entire week, and we we had a long day, John. We started uh, at four p.m. that day with a Rev Pro show, a UK-based promotion that also featured a lot of New Japan talent. So. Uh, John, this was like, was this your first time seeing people like Minoru Suzuki in person? Or had you seen oh, him that's in a Toronto? Good, that's a good question. No, Minoru Suzuki has not come to Toronto. Uh, so I would imagine that is the first time I've seen Minoru Suzuki live. I've seen Ishii, Tanahashi, Osprey. So you can hear John's reaction to experiencing Kazarinare the very first time. Also, his experience sitting next to the loudest <laughs> Zack Sabre no. Jr. fan of all time. Okay, I, I thought you were going to say the uh, the loudest uh, person we sat next to near a show, but that would be outdone by Saturday night. Oh, I guess so. Because in addition to the RevPro show, uh, we also attended the WWN Super Show, which featured what many people considered, uh, at least I would say up until the Saturday and, and, and the Sunday. I mean, I guess we can maybe discuss that a little bit later on. But uh, what many people thought was the show-stealing match of the entire weekend and that was will osprey versus matt riddle from this particular uh wwn super show which john and i watch live uh so we talk about that but i still look back at this as potentially my highlight of the entire weekend and that was the late night social experiment that was joey janela's spring break this was a midnight uh wrestling event that uh featured some of the best promotional material that i think i've ever seen for a wrestling show uh and john and i uh and thousands how many people would you say were in the ponchart train easily easily 1500 that many people cramped into a midnight show uh featuring the weirdest lineup of professional wrestling that probably has ever been promoted it included walter taking on pierre carl willette who uh, rest, WWE fans will know as uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte or uh, the the Quebecer Pierre from the 90s. Um, and he wrestled in, oh my goodness. I saw a photo of this dude's chest afterwards. I've never seen a chopped chest look like that. Like it looked like burnt cheese. 
Uh, he was afterwards. He was Pierre Carl Ewlet. Yes, thank you. As well, no apologies tonight, folks. The clusterfuck battle royal featuring uh, such names as I don't even want to spoil it. It was just the weirdest thing. The You're way- not spoiling anything. I don't know if anyone's going back to. Okay. Uh, oh, well, maybe they are. It's I, it's totally not about. I who's think in it. It I think just- everybody should like watch the show. It was just like. It stood out to me. the the bigger thing is okay. Of course, it also featured the great Sasuke versus uh, <laughs> versus Joey Janela in one of the most bizarre end end scenes I think I'll ever experience as a wrestling fan. It just felt like a giant acid trip. And by the time this show ended at three thirty a.m., that's basically what it felt like for John and I. So, um, and dude, we went home and recorded a show. I don't know how we did it. Yeah, I don't know. I that know. to me is the modern. That is the the biggest question of the entire week and i don't know how we came home that night and did a show yeah we, it's a blur i can't tell you anything about whatever show we did that night well, morning that's why we have these diaries night, i might go back and listen <laughs> night three of our what i really enjoyed about all this was that we got a real great glimpse of everything outside of the wwe on this feed we particularly focus on you know raw smackdown and of course all of the wwe offerings but this trip i mean i personally got a great glimpse of of the scene of the wrestling scene at large. And, uh, it continued on day three where John and I, uh, in the afternoon, <laughs> a mere, like three, four oh. hours of sleep after Joey Janela spring break, we decided to head to see progress chapter 67 featuring, uh, what again, uh, for, for my money, maybe the best non WWE match i saw that weekend in Zack Sabre Jr. versus Walter, the aforementioned Walter, who a few hours earlier chopped the shit out of uh, Pierre Carl Ouellette. Uh So that started off the afternoon, and then we ended with a review uh, of our live experience at ROH's Supercard of Honor 12, featuring Cody versus Kenny Omega. Yeah, Saturday was uh, some great wrestling between uh, Progress and Ring of Honor that night. Uh, lengthy show that night, but nonetheless, maybe that was just getting us ready. Uh, for Sunday. So we did uh, shows all three of those days. They're all up at postwrestlingcafe.com. You sign up, you get all of those shows along with our entire archive of rewind aways and all our other uh, long winded discussions mm-hmm. about pro wrestling. And a lot more to come this month for uh, our Patreon feed with our rewind away later up, up later this week. And uh, oh, a round table that we recorded down in New Orleans with uh, Conrad Thompson of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Yes, so that's all coming up. All our regular shows this week, uh, we're going to have Keep It 2000 is returning on Thursday. Friday, we've got Rewind Away, where Way and I will be reviewing Wrestle Kingdom 9 from 2015, headlined by Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and also featuring Kota Ibushi against Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles against Tetsuya Naito. So that's going to be Friday's review. And then, as Way mentioned, it's the return of the roundtable on Sunday, as we will be joined by... Conrad Thompson, uh, who in this discussion, he will talk about how the deal came together uh, for something else to wrestle with the new uh, WWE Network offering from Conrad and Bruce Pritchard. So that is coming up on Sunday night. And I think you'll get an enjoyment out of it if you want to hear about uh, what a lot of us are doing, kind of the business of wrestling podcasting and just chatting for 45 minutes or so. I love the chat. And uh I'm really excited for people to hear that just because I don't often hear uh, enough like people talk about podcasting itself and the idea of just, yeah, running a running your own business around wrestling podcasts and wrestling websites. So Conrad had a lot of great insight to share. 
uh, all patrons, or actually, that, that's a free show, so everybody will be able to hear that. But uh, yes. Ice Cap patrons of the Post Wrestling Cafe will be able to see it because we also have video of that as well. Ooh, very nice. All right, so that's all the stuff happening at postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com. But we now transition to the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, I don't know about you, Way, but I was, I was, there was zero FOMO here for me. Me neither. Like last year, I think typically when we go to these WrestleManias, uh, up until last year, we would always stay for the Raw afterwards. We didn't do that last year. And I didn't feel bad about it at all. And I would say this year, I think we made the right choice again. I mean, I wonder what it is. You know, like this wasn't a bad Raw after Mania. I thought it delivered on a lot of uh, great surprises. Um, But I just feel like at the end of that week, I, I wouldn't, I I didn't, I don't feel like I really missed out that much. Yeah. I, I was telling you, like, I felt like the big party crowd of the weekend to me was spring break. Mm-hmm. And it used to be the night after Raw. And I think that luster has kind of evaporated over the last couple of years. Maybe it kind of feels like, you know, that cool music festival that like was, you know, everybody was talking about because it was this kind of like really cool art party that like organically became very popular. But now is sort of a corporate backed, you know, uh, corporate sponsored music festival. And it maybe feels a little less cool. Whereas, you know, like a Joey Janelle spring break is done without the acknowledgement of the you know and any major corporation um the wwe you know having put out documentaries about the raw after wrestlemania and kind of you know knowing what they're in for perhaps that kind of rebellious spirit uh isn't doesn't feel like it's necessarily there anymore actually i would say besides spring break it really is nxt takeover that i think is also you know sure. we're talking for a wwe audience that is sort of the insider crowd's uh party i would say yeah, you know what they need to do next year for spring break? They need to put out a Spotify playlist for spring break. Uh, you could have consisting of what? It's my life, of course. Uh, teenage dirtbag. Oh yeah, that's and brilliant. Then, yeah. Oh, that would like, that might get them in trouble though, because I think like a lot of that show operated under you know under the radar of like any record companies. Um, but yeah, that's a great idea. So Raw began with Stephanie McMahon coming out and selling the effects of the arm bar. She had uh, a brace over her left arm, which we didn't note on on Sunday. But Ronda did, in fact, attack the arm that Stephanie does not sign the checks with. She did preserve the right arm for financial stability. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's some good psychology. Deep. The, The crowd is chanting, you tapped out. Stephanie mentions tonight's international flavor in the audience and says i smelled it on the way down to the ring i didn't know what that meant um well just all you smell all you smelly people from other countries yes basically yes she says she could not be more proud of ronda rousey who she introduces and rousey comes out and just is blown away by this audience's reaction and their their love of ronda tremendous reaction here and uh, I, I would say, you know, all of Ronda's appearances thus far in WWE have have been pretty big uh, because she really does feel like a superstar. But I would say the difference between this reaction and let's say her first one at the Rumble was that it felt like here she had earned the respect of this pro wrestling audience. It wasn't just because she was a celebrity, but she was also a celebrity that delivered 
a hell of a performance the night before on the biggest show of the year. So uh, this felt like a like her actual homecoming, I would say. Yeah, easily biggest baby face on the show was Ronda Rousey tonight. And the joy on Ronda's face, like, looks so real, you know. Like she, as we've as we've talked about, you know, she's somebody who takes her losses very seriously. But at the same time, she she seems to really enjoy the adulation whenever she receives it, whether in MMA, I'm sure the Olympics, or also pro wrestling now. So yeah, yeah. She also mentioned to ESPN that now she's happy she lost those fights because it's brought her to the WWE. Cool. Yeah. So she's embraced the loss this way. Stephanie says the better woman won. Everyone's chanting for Rousey. Stephanie is just kissing up to her and says, look what you and I could do together. There is no one that could stop us. And I can put the entire WWE machine behind you. And the crowd starts chanting bullshit. Stephanie says, you're smarter than these people. You're a businesswoman. So now the crowd starts chanting, shut the fuck up. (laughs) And... Yeah, this, and Stephanie just kept going here. I mean, this was a very vulgar crowd. It was, and I mean, Steph is is fantastic at you know uh, eliciting types of reactions like that. But I have to imagine the even the corporate side of her uh, probably was panicking a little bit, you know, at the profanity. Um, but you know, we had an arena full of Zack Saber Junior fans. Oh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if she like decided to wrap up any quicker because of it. But you know, other way, I thought. The segment came off the way it probably should have. Stephanie goes to offer her hand to Rhonda, and Rhonda hugs her. And then takes down Stephanie, yanks off the arm brace, and Stephanie is screaming as the arm bar is applied once again to the uh, the left arm. And then Rhonda releases it, and the crowd chants, you deserve it, at Stephanie, who is crying in pain as the officials are checking on her the audience is singing goodbye stephanie is just playing this to the tilt and then as she is being brought up jojo gets on the microphone and says ladies and gentlemen wait may we have a little respect for stephanie mcmahon which was the highlight of jojo's career (laughs) this was a what a great line at the end here it was just perfect and i it felt almost like an audible that was just oh. added here, and it was just so perfect. I it got to, that one last pop at the end of the segment. I have to the imagine, audience. maybe, yeah, because they don't normally say things like that. Certainly, the ring announcer wouldn't say anything like that. But in this situation, it just uh, it was just basically like throwing more gasoline onto the fire. Got this crowd right up again. So, I mean, this appearance from Ronda just kind of felt, you know, it felt like a like a like a denouement. For their story, you know, uh, the, the hero won, and here she is back again, just to cement her status as a favorite to this crowd, breaking Stephanie's arm for good. It felt like um like a write off actually for maybe both of these talents for a while. We, I mean, we don't know. Do you think is Ronda announced? Yeah, she won't be at the Saudi Arabia show, right? Like the women won't be competing. The women are not able to compete on that show, so yeah. she will definitely not be there. Mm-hmm. And. Um, when do you foresee Ronda's next match? Could you see it being as long as SummerSlam, or do you think that she'll do a match before then? I think she'll do a match before, uh, and I think she needs to. Otherwise, you know, then she's just a hypocrite for saying she's a full-time person, and they're trying to sell her as, you know, a wrestling personality now. You know, somebody who's embracing the lineage of Rowdy Roddy Piper. They're working so hard to endear her to the wrestling audience that I think having her make sporadic appearances will only, you know, uh, 
it will make her seem like a liar and a hypocrite. So I think it's important for her to like, maybe not necessarily be on Raw every single week, okay? But I think every other month, you know, give us a Ronda quick tap out uh, of, of, you know, a diva. I think that'd, that'd be good. It'd be good for her. Uh, I think it would still keep her hot. But anyway, I thought they, they also managed to mm, treat Ronda really well in this segment. She didn't talk. I, I, I think we can all agree that's probably her biggest weakness. No talking needed. She just flashed that million-dollar smile. And then when it was time to get serious, she turned the smile off and delivered her, her excellent physical stuff that with that beautiful flying armbar that um, made her look excellent. Michael Cole warns us it's a non-traditional audience. Coachman says that the audience will exercise their freedom of expression I hate and that, this. Oh, this is why? gross. This is the reason it's, why this shit's not that cool anymore. Okay? It's, it's like, like it's like we have to sanitize this entire night. Like, and then Corey says the audience is going to boo who they should cheer and vice versa. It's all in the name of fun and we love all of it. It's oh, no longer it's no longer fun for the audience when they know like it, so what is it like they say like it you know if 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 like a bully <laughs> if a bully like uh it's not fun for a bully to bully somebody anymore when the other person doesn't you know uh show negative reactions to it right so i mean this audience really i guess they're kind of bullies and they're trying to bully the wwe or at least fighting back against the bully that is the wwe in their minds um but it's not fun anymore when like oh my god they're just so crazy they're just so wild anyway. a non-traditional audience all the assholes showed up tonight. We got to put up with them for another night here while they're in town. They announced the Superstar Shakeup is next week, and it will take place over the course of two nights, Raw in Hartford and SmackDown in Providence, Rhode Island. These were uh, very high viewership episodes last year for the Superstar Shakeup, and next week uh, they pushed this very hard for next week. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm excited for those shows. I'm I'm kind of more excited for those shows than than I maybe even was for this one. Nia Jax comes out with the Raw Women's title. You deserve it. There were a lot of those chants on this show. Some funny with Stephanie, but then others in the more traditional "You deserve it" uh, sense. I was surprised by the reaction this crowd gave to Nia because um, I feel like last night this was one of the matches that was reacted to a little bit weaker than, than most. And you can maybe chalk that up to like the position of it, but I just never really got the sense that this particular, the average person of this particular crowd really gravitated towards this storyline or Nia Jax, but maybe they just like chanting. You deserve it. Or maybe they actually really like Nia. They did react big Sunday to the finish of the match. Yeah. It was just the actual match that they were not so hot for. Um, but yeah, she got a positive reaction mm-hmm. here. Alexa comes out with Mickey James and calls Rhonda a bully for what she just did to Stephanie, just like Nia. And Nia likes to throw her weight around, which is a lot of weight. And the audience chants asshole at Alexa. And Bliss said I was distraught and lost because Nia had attacked my best friend Mickey right before the match. And I competed under emotional distress. And Nia tells her to shut up. She's the new champion and she enjoyed what she did to the two of them. And she's challenging them to a match because she has a partner tonight with the debuting Ember Moon, who came out to make her Raw debut. And I think after Saturday, this was a um, one that you could easily predict was going to be one of the call-ups. Yeah, 
a, a perfect crowd to debut these NXT talents. All of them feel like stars. I mean, even No Way Jose felt like a big deal here. So uh, it, this was nice. But I thought that the bigger takeaway was Alexa's line about Ronda. Because if uh, there's another program for Ronda to go to after Stephanie, I think an Alexa program would be great. And, you know, not necessarily thinking about what's going to go on in ring. But I think Ronda at this point needs um, an opponent who who is great on the microphone. And, and currently there's probably nobody better than Alexa. So I think an Alexa promo against uh, Ronda Rousey, an Alexa series of promos against Ronda Rousey could be a lot of fun. Mickey attacked Nia's knee, and then she fought back. Big reaction when Ember was tagged in. She nearly lost her footing on the middle rope for a reverse cross, but still landed it and hit Alexa with the Eclipse, which is obviously a very impressive-looking finish, and pinned Alexa in three minutes. And this was more of a showcase for Ember Moon than it was uh, Nia, for instance. Yeah, certainly. I thought it was a good intro for Ember. Um, but, uh, you know, with she got a great reaction, but I hope they don't make the mistake of assuming that she's already over to, you know, the mainstream WWE audience at large. She's over to this crowd, as are all the other NXT talents, but still a complete unknown to most. So I hope we still receive a proper introduction to who she is, what the, the, her character is, you know, like, like, is she, is she a werewolf? Is she a vampire? Like, oh, these Vince are- McMahon is just going to start. Uh, yeah, she's got rabies. <laughs> Yeah, maybe are, maybe they'll do a documentary on who she is and throw it up on YouTube in a few months. But I mean, these are things I still don't even know really about Ember Moon. Um, not to say like they need to story it up too much. Like in the end, it's just all about the wrestling. But I think some type of introduction is in store, and we haven't necessarily received them for for a lot of the NXT call ups thus far. Kurt Angle spent the entire show. On his phone, just um, pro- I hope he was on uh, a good plan here in New Orleans because uh, he was just busy on the phone all night long. He's bragging about Ember Moon. Braun Strowman walks in and he discusses Nicholas, his tag partner, who walks into the shot to an enormous pop. Mm-hmm. He's got the tag title belt on, but unfortunately, the two of them have to relinquish the titles. Nicholas has a scheduling conflict, being that he's in the fourth grade, but as soon as he's done school, they're coming back for these titles. And Nicholas yells, get these hands. He says somebody- I don't care what anyone has to say. I, I enjoyed Nicholas. I do too. I mean, uh, yeah. Again, I, I, I honestly feel like the only people who would be upset at this is are people who really care about the Raw Tag Team titles. Um, and, you know, you should argue, yes, they should probably treat the tag titles with a bit more respect, but... The state of the tag team division right now on Raw, I think, is already pretty weak. Why not just hit the reset wait, button? Wait, wait a minute. Kurt said the tag division is full. Wait, it's full. Oh, yes. Can't, can't eject anything more. I don't know how Nicholas was able to get in here when uh, literally Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn couldn't get spots, but Nicholas did have a spot. Mm. Yeah. To me, I just kind of took this as like a um, bit of a, a reset on the Raw tag team division. Um, it was a cool moment, but I think... You know, coming out of it, Cesaro and Sheamus definitely need to be uh, rehabbed a little bit after they were really quite embarrassed last night. Then we had No Way Jose making his debut, uh, coming out with this giant conga line to take on John Schuyler. Uh, he just pressed him in the air and hit the wind-up punch to win in 26 seconds. Audience certainly got into the entrance of No Way Jose. 
I think this will be a, a fun character in the middle of the card, but I just see this guy being uh, Ms. Taraj bound. Oh, I wouldn't even say that high. Oh I mean, God. I just see him being like Fandango, Tyler Breeze level in record time. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, but prove me wrong. Like, I would have said the same thing about the Drifter. But look at him, right? Yep. You should always uh, keep an open mind because sometimes we've been wrong about names that have been called up. I mean, honestly, like, it sounds ridiculous now. How many people were that high on Alexa Bliss when she was called up? Yeah, completely. Absolutely. Like, she was, she was just a – she was just – a manager on NXT, and when she was called up, I was like, I, I don't think anyone could have possibly looked at her having the kind of run she has had thus far. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, in this incarnation of this character, I don't know how far you can really go. Like, we've already seen Adam Rose, you know? I don't know how far you can really go with the dancing dude, yeah. uh, but maybe he's just got something incredible within him that he hasn't shown yet in NXT that he'll show on on the main roster. The bar confronted Kurt Angle about the titles being relinquished, and they expect them to be handed back. But no, instead, Kurt is going to... uh, First, he made fun of them for losing to a 10-year-old. And they're going to get a rematch for the tag titles in three weeks in Saudi Arabia at the Greatest Royal Rumble show. And four other teams are going to have matches with uh, qualifying matches tonight. And then the two winning teams will face off next week. The winner of that match will take on the bar on April 27th. So... Uh, that was what was in store tonight with four tag teams, which would start with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows taking on the Revival, which was so important. This tag team eliminator that we came back from break and it was uh, joined in progress. They worked over the knee of Luke Gallows for a long time. He was hobbling around on the floor. Anderson got in. There was a blind tag by Dash Wilder. Anderson nailed Wilder, but then missed Dawson in the corner, rebounded out of the corner and took the shatter machine. 341, the Revival get a rare victory. And we'll take on the other team next week for the tag titles shot. You could sense that the crowd was quite restless with this one. And I mean, I couldn't see it on camera, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a beach ball game going on in the middle of this. It seemed like they were quite distracted with something going on in the audience. And I would assume, you know, for for the crowd in New Orleans tonight, this might have been a bit of a tough one. Because on the one hand... They really respect the revival, I'm sure. And I'm sure they they half of these people are probably wearing Bullet Club shirts, so they probably want to like Gallows and Anderson. But the way they're being treated on TV, you are absolutely given no reason to care about this match, nor either of those teams. Their personalities haven't been able to come across thus far. The division is dead. I think the tag titles are dead. So this really was a bit of a dud of a match. And... If this was, let's say, somebody like a Jinder Mahal in a match like this, I'm sure the beach balls and the wave and everything would have been out in fuller force. Um, but everybody, you know, in the match worked hard and fast, but it kind of just tells you what the crowd thinks of this division and these teams right now. Yeah, the tag division needs a revamp, especially on Raw, uh, but even now on SmackDown with the Bludgeon Brothers in that position, I think the Usos could be moved over. Mm-hmm. I think you could make a lot of switches because you have a lot of good pieces there, but they mm-hmm. have... Uh, just been taken care of just terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Revival, Anderson and Gallows, The Bar. Um, I think you really need to dissect this division and clean it up. It's weird. It seems like every year, like, there's only, like, uh, so much, like, I, I said, I guess, um, I don't know, energy or, like, uh, I hate to use the word, but momentum behind, like, if one division on one particular brand is strong, the other one's always lacking. 
Like for one year, it was like the SmackDown women's division. Wow, it was fantastic. Raw was bad, but SmackDown's women were great. And then like the SmackDown tag teams are great, but the Raw tag team division sucks. So I don't know what they're doing. If they're shifting like writers around and, you know, only the good writers are working on one thing at a time. But uh, I wait the day for all the, you know, all the different divisions to do well. This was great. During the break, there was one of those news slam updates with Scott Stanford. And I was really impressed because he's promoting these upcoming SmackDown house shows in Canada and mentions the Bludgeon Brothers, the SmackDown tag champions. It's like, wow, that's pretty up to date. Hmm. And then in the same breath, he's promoting Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on these same SmackDown shows coming up. And it was funny to me because after you and I did our show, I remembered the fact that that's right. Owens and Zayn's careers were on the line in that match, too. Oh, it's very much like an afterthought. Uh, I didn't even think of it. Yeah. I, it, like, it didn't even cross my mind. That's how little that stipulation meant. Mm-hmm. And apparently meant here in the New Slam update where they updated the Bludgeon Brothers as tag champions, but not Owens and Zayn losing their careers the night before. And mm-hmm. uh, a great reason uh, not to care about stipulations like this was seen on tonight's Raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth Rollins came out. Another You Deserve It. And then he says, that's the loudest burn it down he's heard. And what a list there must be of the loudest burn it downs he's heard out there. It's a top 10 list I want to see. Oh, I make fun of it, but he like got this chant across to this audience who chanted this now for this guy, the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. And then as if he's just poking me, Seth freaking Rollins is back, baby. And he is now Grand Slam Rollins because he is now a Grand Slam champion, just like all the members of the Shield. I don't know if this is the uh, the prestigious feat. It might have been in another generation way. Probably not. When you have like 85 titles you can win. Yeah, I imagine that you throw a dart at the board, you'll hit four of them at some point in your career. Doesn't the Grand Slam mean that you, you're, you've won all available titles to you? See, he was a NXT champion. He was a WWE champion. I don't he think they a, count NXT, though. They did for Charlotte. True, but not for Dean and Roman. Well, they didn't win uh, the NXT title. Rollins did. Yeah, but they won. Okay, they, they, they've they all won the IC. They've all won the uh, tag. They've all won the either Universal or World title. And uh, what am I missing? Uh. Well, Dean won the U.S. title. Rollins has not won the U.S. title. So what's Rollins won? He's won the tag title. He's won this IC title. And he's won two versions, uh, the WWE and the Universal title. Okay, what about Rollins? So are those his four? And NXT, I guess, doesn't count for Rollins. He's won more than the Grand Slam. He's done better. Okay, what about Roman then? Oh, God. Roman has won. Well, they all kind of had the tag titles. I guess it was kind of like interchangeable. He's won the Universal. Has he won the Universal title? He hasn't won it since it was the Universal title. He won the previous version. I officially don't care. There are so many. Uh, t- I'll tell you right now. Okay, I'm looking it up. He's uh, He's been the World Heavyweight Champion yep, three times. Uh, U.S. Champion, IC Champion, Tag Champion. There you go. So that's a triple crown to me. Okay, but uh, they, they do consider it an, a, a grand slam if you've won, I guess, the IC and the U.S. Gotcha. Yeah, All right. so I guess it is just four titles. He says that he won the, his title on the grandest stage in front of you animals. Finn Balor comes out. 
The crowd chants, you deserve it. I didn't know what Finn deserved. Um, the new shirt. Oh, oh he title deser- shot, title shot, title shot. Oh, well, maybe he deserves a cut of the merchandise money. Yeah. He says there was a triple threat at WrestleMania. There was a winner, a loser, and then there's him who did not get pinned. And he challenges Rollins and they shake hands for a future title match. But then the Miz comes out. He talks about how he made the IC title prestigious and relevant, but he deviated from his strategy, sending Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas backstage before the match. And then he mentions his daughter and the crowd pops and chants, he's got kids. And Miz explains that his wife was holding their new baby daughter and his baby saw Miz lose the title. And this caused the baby to cry, which caused Maurice to cry, which when Miz was told of this, caused the Miz to cry. And then Rollins said, well, that's what everyone does when they try and watch you wrestle. Oh, what an asshole that Seth Rollins is. The Miz has a rematch clause. Rollins suggests they have a match tonight. Miz says no. He's going to invoke it in a month at Backlash. And then they all go to square off the Miz Tourage with Rollins and Balor. And Jeff Hardy's music hits. And out he comes. And we even the numbers. And they set up a six-man for later. So as you suspected, John, Jeff Hardy is basically kind of staying as singles. Jeff Hardy, not broken, uh, brother narrow. Well, kind of. They had an interaction later. And he's even calling him brother Nero. So I don't know if there's going to be some Mm -hmm. loose affiliation or how involved Jeff will be. Maybe he's just going to have... The association, but not really involved in the gimmick with Matt and Bray. I took that as just sort of a wink, wink, wink. Hey, uh, that was like him, him speaking Klingon to his Klingon brother, you know. And he endorsed Bray Wyatt as kind of the new partner for Matt. I would, I could also see those two being split up, uh, Matt and Jeff, uh, during the Superstar Shakeup. Very uh, likely. Yeah. So I, I mean, this looks to be where Jeff Hardy is being slotted in, in sort of the IC title picture, and I think he's a very good fit. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see with Jeff how he holds up and he's in a he's kind of in the role you would expect him to be. Kind of in the middle of the card. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we'll see. Mandy Rose versus Sasha Banks. Bailey came out to be in Sasha's corner and Mandy took control. They went through a commercial break. They go to the floor and Mandy provokes Bailey, who goes for a clothesline, misses Mandy and takes out Sasha. Sasha gets up and then Rolls back into the ring. She's upset with Bailey, and it leads to her eating a flying knee from Mandy, who pins her in seven minutes. Bailey's all frustrated, goes to the back, and Banks is upset as well. And Absolution is standing in the ring, and Mandy and Sonya Deville depart, and Paige is left in the ring and gets on the microphone and says it was very hard to sit at ringside at WrestleMania. This is her life, it's her soul, it's her blood. But due to neck injuries, she cannot compete any longer as an in-ring competitor. And the crowd is chanting, thank you, Paige. She thanks all the women in the back. She's proud of this division. She mentions Daniel Bryan and Edge, who were there to help her get through this, who went through similar situations in their careers, and that there is life outside of wrestling, and she's going to have to go find something else to do. And mentions this is the same arena she debuted in four years ago, the night after WrestleMania 30, and won the Divas title. And it's where she is going to retire. And she was breaking down, crying. The crowd chanted, this is your house. And she walked off. And this felt like the, the last time we're going to see Paige. Wait. I wonder. Unless they have so, some idea for her to do 
Mm. This felt like a, an elimination of her for sure as the manager role. Um, maybe you could put her in another position, but this very much felt like writing her off. It, it's possible. You know, it's possible, especially with the shakeup coming up next week. I could see them splitting up Rose and DeVille uh, or just keeping them as a tag team for now and separating Paige from them. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of did feel that way. I Those mean, two lose something by not having Paige with them. I agree. I think that the, I, I mean, I think she is a fantastic. She could be a fantastic manager for anybody. Uh, but you know, Rose and Deville certainly need it. But I can see them wanting to give somebody like a Mandy Rose uh, that that more of a chance to speak, uh, so that they can kind of break out as their you know big single star. So. Um, this was like, it was interesting because they don't often, uh, do these, you know, out of character types of speeches, but this was news that I think, uh, a lot of the wrestling world knew, uh, prior and it was completely kind of kept in the dark or at least not acknowledged on TV, uh, until I guess they decided to finish up their storylines after WrestleMania and Paige got a really nice, genuine moment to be able to just speak to the audience it was, you know, because it wasn't a shock to anybody, I don't think it, it was as, like, emotional as, as, let's say, a Daniel Bryan one. Also, I mean, you know, um, people lo- love Daniel Bryan probably maybe a lot more than Paige. But I think everybody loves Paige, too. So it felt nice. I mean, it felt real. It it gave her a chance to say goodbye. And to do it in front of the same crowd that she debuted in, in the same arena, uh, was really nice as well. So... And, and and of course, you know, the the Rock movie coming out, I'm sure. Well, with, with that movie coming out, I mean, I don't think this is the last we will see of Paige at least doing promotional work and wanting her to be involved with that release. So She could be um, a GM of some sort, you know, if they wanted to, to, to keep her on TV. Well, th- there's... There's certainly positions you could find for her. I would think a manager would be the best. I don't know how much she would transition to commentary. I didn't really get a good sense listening to her calling the Battle Royal. Mm -hmm. Um, She didn't stand out to me, but I wasn't uh, listening too intently where we were uh, set up. But she would definitely stand a a better chance than most uh, in the the women's division if they ever were looking for a female commentator, I think. Right. Yeah, I think – I mean the combination of her in-ring knowledge – uh, plus just her, her awesome ability on the microphone. I think she would, I'd like, like to see her actually give that a fair shake if they, if she wanted to. Probably. I mean, given that she's just so young and her family is so attached to wrestling. I mean, it's one thing the WWE is not going to clear her, but I mean, I do not rule out that she could go wrestle elsewhere at some point. Mm, you think so, eh? Hmm. Especially given, I mean, what, what we've just we, seen with with Daniel Bryan. If this she, is different, though. This is a neck injury. Well, what, what? There's a lot more. I think probably. I, I, I would argue that. Well, with, with a neck than than a brain. Uh, there's always going to be a, a concern, um, but if she sits out for two years and uh, listen, people have come back with neck problems. Yeah. Do we know it's, the extent of her neck injury? Do we know what it is? Uh, just, I mean, no, not really. Not the specifics of it. She, Other than the, the WWE is not comfortable clearing yeah. her. Yeah, and well, not to do anything physical. Well, judging from the promo, it, it seems, yeah, sure. I'm sure she uh, she is not given up complete hope of ever returning. Yeah. So that was that segment. Uh, Elias came out after that. And there was he was so popular. 
This crowd loved this guy. They were all chanting walk with Elias. He said he's become the biggest musical act on the face of the planet. Then they started singing. Oh, walk with Elias. (laughs) To our favorite uh, Seven Nation Army chant. Oh, my God. Oh, Coach just was so aggravating on the show, trying to, like, explain. Hell, I don't know if you guys know about this, but this is a very popular soccer chant, everybody. Thank you for your expertise, Coach. And then he got yelled at on Twitter for calling it soccer. Well, I was going to yell at him for something else after this. He says that he will perform even though it's a lot of scumbags here in this crowd. So the crowd started chanting, we are scumbags. And then starts playing his music. And then out comes Bobby Lashley. And that is uh, an unexpected return. But for the first time in 10 years, Bobby Lashley's back. He hit a reverse neck breaker, delayed vertical, laid out Elias. Um, I'll say this, like it got a good reaction. I just thought it was going to be something bigger with Bobby Lashley. You thought a main event role? Given how the show ended, I think the show could have used something big at the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, like my complaint on this show was that there was so much that Mm -hmm. there were a lot of things that you just forgot by the end of the night of all the returns and all of the call-ups that there was just so much on this show uh, to process that I think a lot of stuff just got lost. And I think Bobby Lashley's debut kind of was. Yeah. Lashley is an interesting one because often I think you'll see a lot of debuts from NXT or people I I feel like that are more in the kind of uh, popular discussion when it comes to professional wrestling. And Lashley is one that I think obviously everybody knows but I don't know how many people have exactly seen his work of late in TNA, you know? Probably few. Yeah. So, even, though, even though it's by far the best of his career, the last three. And he's also not a guy that, that is constantly on the minds of wrestling fans like a CM Punk or anything like that. So his return, everybody knows who he is, but I don't think it was as, you know, big of a reaction on a main event level as you would expect from, I mean, not even as big as, uh, I mean, Jeff Hardy or like, some of your bigger NXT call-ups of late. So I think it remains to be seen like how this audience will react to him outside of the Raw after Mania. Um, I think once he starts talking and showing the WWE audience how much he's improved since he last returned uh, or since he last uh, uh, appeared in the WWE, I think that's when he'll really like start to get people's attention. Kurt Angle is on his phone. He's bragging about this episode. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn walk in. And Kevin says, I don't know if he follows SmackDown at all. (laughs) They had a falling out with management. And they're here asking for jobs. And Kurt is just taken aback. He said, wait a minute. You guys attack your commissioner and general manager. Zayn says, that was over a misunderstanding. They're here to be team players. And Angle says, well, our tag division is full. But I hear TNA is hiring. One of the great zingers I can recall on a WWE program in quite some time. And the added sting of also referring to it as TNA here. As far as I know, this was this not the first acknowledgement of TNA on an in-storyline wrestling show? I can't think of any other one that they have ever made reference to TNA. I mean, they have on... The documentaries. Uh, the documentary. They Able interviewed Dixie three. Carter. But on a WWE show, uh, this would have to be the first time, especially the first time that they have said the, the name TNA. Mm-hmm. 
I think there was some, uh, I heard some criticism of, of the like um, Hall of Fame where Jeff Jarrett doesn't even talk about TNA or, I, you know, you could assume that he was maybe told not to or maybe he just personally felt not that he shouldn't mention TNA. But <laughs> I just find it funny that like they they didn't want TNA mentioned there or somebody didn't want TNA mentioned there, but they've reserved it for a spot here uh, designed to just make fun of the company and to, you know, get a great reaction from this crowd. Well, they did subtly refer to TNA in the, the AJ package on Sunday night, too. Like, they had some of those photos in there. Just the photo, though. Well, it was it's something. Something, It's not yeah. completely erasing it. But I think with, with this line, it finally does kind of really show you how little they give a shit about the competition, quote-unquote. He says they ha- he has one spot on this roster— and they can wrestle tonight for that one spot, and they agree. Yeah, Owens and Zayn later tonight. Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I I, I think the whole you know uh, loser leaves town gimmick when it comes to Raw and SmackDown, it very hard to buy into. You know, when you know if one person leaves, they're just going to end up on the other show. Uh, with NXT, it's a little bit easier. Like I think it's a bit more weighty because that person actually leaves the NXT mix and everybody loves NXT, so it really is a change. Um, but with Owens and Zayn, I mean, we just saw both of these guys on Raw the next day or last year, so um, it, it it doesn't mean as much. I think it a great idea for them because I really feel like Owens is not so much Zayn because I think he's gotten something out of this heel run as compared to where he was before, but... You know, watching that 365 special on Kevin Owens, like this is a guy that I think is extremely critical of his own work and I think has a very, you know, justified high opinion of himself. And when you look at what this guy has done over the last year, I don't even need to ask him to assume that there's probably been a lot of frustration over this year for him. I think a great idea would have been for these guys to disappear for a few weeks. They missed the superstar shakeup and you genuinely wonder what they're doing with these two. And they are going to show up, but they show up on NXT for like three months and just have a run there. Hmm. And then when you're least expecting it, that's when they make their main roster return and can, are justified in their attack that they have been mm-hmm. plotting this all along. But I think that's a tool that is not exercised enough. And yes, there is a financial reality to that, sending guys down to NXT. But I think that in the long run, it can really rehab a lot of guys that are just kind of just spinning their wheels on the main roster. And with Kevin Owens, I mean, he was just in a really high-profile WrestleMania match, but I don't sense he's going to be... Like, he just seems to be in an odd position in his career at this point that uh, there's some adjustment that I think needs to be made. I mean, I don't know if he would feel bad about the past year he's had. I think he's had a... a all in all, like, he was the focal point of that show. He He's had him. a lot of highs, but yeah. it's it's not necessarily followed up upon. Like it's like I think they lucked into the Daniel Bryan involvement at WrestleMania because had that not happened, oh, the Shane I, thing was big. The Vince McMahon headbutt was a big moment. Yeah, I know those were were big things, but I I don't think we were necessarily going towards that. Hmm. Mm, yeah. I mean, uh, I think what what maybe everybody's looking for is for you know Kevin Owens to take that top heel role. I'm not sure if they see that. Uh, or if they or, or if they they want him as sort of like the monster champion on on Raw uh, again, he's more of like the cowardly champion. Um, 
And I don't know if he'll, you know, kind of reach the world title picture again. But I think he's always on the cusp. You know, I think he's always a hand that you can put into the main event at any. I given time. I think he's I think he's top heel material. Yes. I completely do. But I feel they're very hot and cold when it comes to him. And look how look how desperate they are for heels, especially on SmackDown, where you've just turned Nakamura. Like it's not like you have this dearth of heels on that show. Um, Kevin Owens to me is is someone that is very viable in in that kind of a role but i don't know if they necessarily uh, see him in that top mix at least at the moment Hmm. so they set up the match for later tonight then we go to heath slater and rhino in the ring slater talks about all his kids he needs to take care of and they issue an open challenge to any team in the back and the crowd starts chanting aop and the author they immediately knew yes everyone knew i always find it amazing that I guess they, I, I feel like they must really know their audience and, you know, know what the buzz is because a simple line like that, um, you know, Heath Slater coming out and putting out an open challenge for any team in the back to come out, that was already enough to get this crowd to chant AOP. And I'm sure they expected it. They came out with Paul Ellering, Big Pop, and they just ran through Slater and Rhino. Akam hit a boot off the middle rope and then Razor dropped Rhino with a boot. Last chapter to Heath, they won in 50 seconds. And then after the match, um, Paul Ellering is with them, and they just ditch him. And it looks like Paul Ellering, uh, they kind of tied up his role, and it looks like he will not be part of the main roster run with the Authors of Pain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, visually, I like the team with the manager, but I certainly don't think they need Paul Ellering. And I don't know if Paul Ellering himself wants that travel schedule at his age. Probably not. That's that's a that's a big ask on him. Uh, but I thought he did bring a lot to this team. Uh, I thought he kind of completed these two, and uh, these two are like their improvements over the last two years have been mm-hmm. enormous. I think they're going to have a really good run. But do you think they I have think, a manager at all? Um, maybe I, Page, the author, and the Page. <laughs> that's really good. Oh, oh man. Uh, it writes itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Listen, I, I as I say that, I mean, we, we talk about the, the issue they've had with tag teams. I really hope these two are uh, do something good, and I hope they are kept separate from the Bludgeon Brothers. I think so. I think you only have room for two monster teams, and you have two different distinct rosters, and I agree. I mean, I'd love to see uh, AOP versus the Usos, for instance. I think that'd sure. be great. Like. There's still, there definitely still is an issue that needs to be addressed, though. You have teams like the Revival who have been up for a year now. Granted, they've been injured, but they've yet to craft their own personalities. They've yet to get over themselves. And again, teams like Gallows and Anderson, and I'll even like all the like, what is it? What who else is there? Like um, Fashion Police, just a lot of like other teams out there that um, I think it just needs a, a bit of an overhaul. Uh, so, but. A great addition, I think. Great reaction for the debut. This match was really just a sneak peek. So, um, uh, but I think they they look good here. All right, now it's time to go into the Brock Lesnar story uh, because this was obviously on many people's minds on Monday. They plugged Brock Lesnar's re-signing, which the WWE announced earlier on Monday, and that there will be a rematch between Lesnar and Roman Reigns in a steel cage at the Greatest Royal Rumble, April twenty seventh. Why? That really wasn't explained. 
I guess the challenger gets an automatic rematch uh-huh. as well. Yeah, it wasn't explained, and Roman here didn't exactly seem like he'd, mm, he'd it made even less. It, it. it kind of made even less sense that they were not putting the title on Roman last night. Like, it feels like this would be the match you would do immediately with Lesnar being the one challenging him. This Saudi Arabia show, I think, is is some kind of interesting because uh, their treatment of it, I I feel like it will will kind of rest somewhere in between that of an actual pay per view and that of a house show, not completely dissimilar to how they treat like the Japan special or even something like a tribute to the troops. But I would say probably with a bit more importance than those. Yeah, uh, they were pushing it very hard on this show. Like, yeah, they were treating it like a pay per view here. But but I mean, it just seems like to me, a bit of an excuse for to run back your WrestleMania rematches. And I'm assuming that's that's why this match is happening. So the latest on Lesnar is that he has signed a new deal, and reportedly so has Paul Heyman. Uh, Dave Meltzer was reporting that um, it's been hinted that it's a short-term deal. Now, what does short-term mean? Uh, could that be a year? Could that be less? Um, what it apparently includes is that he can do, at minimum, one UFC fight as part of this uh, this short-term deal that he's got, which also is going to have to take into effect the fact that he has to go through the whole uh, drug testing policy of coming out of retirement and serving the remainder of his suspension. And for any fighter that retires, they have to automatically go through six months of testing, even if you don't have any drug test failure in your past. So he's got to do all that before he can fight. So that would tell me that this deal is at least more than six months. If the fact that a UFC fight is worked into the structure of the contract. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes more complicated if Lesnar wins that fight. I mean, is is it open to more fights? Is it multi-fights? But yeah, it looks like he's got the match in Saudi Arabia. And I, I feel like that they just made the call to postpone the title win until Saudi Arabia to make it a big, big show with maybe a better reaction. It's not going to be worse than what they got on Sunday. And like this was kept extremely quiet on Sunday. I, I spoke to one person in the company and it was like there were a lot of surprised people when that finish went down on Sunday. So it was it was a very small amount of people that were privy to the finish that Lesnar was winning. Hmm. Interesting. So, but that's where things stand. Uh, Brock was not on the show. Heyman was not on the show. But Roman comes out, uh, was met with booze. He says he got his ass kicked last night. Lesnar is one hell of a businessman, he says. And word got out last week that he was going back to the UFC. And then WWE announces he signed a new contract. And he had no clue about his rematch until I read it online. I don't know what the plan is. This was like the strangest thing way. Like this guy was upset that he's getting a title match. Yeah, yeah. This was, yeah, this was veering into WCW territory for me. No, I know. They're still trying to like create the the impression that Vince and Brock are conspiring against Roman, or at least Roman thinks that way. Um, And in in what uh, way? Well, in that they're making matches without asking him. They're, uh, you know, Brock is uh, re-signing contracts and they're not telling him. They're giving him, like, plenty of notice for this match. Like, do you not want to face the world champion? 
This is a guy that takes matches on 10 minutes notice on Raw every week. Yeah. I, I didn't like this at all. I think they have overthought this way too much. You either are committed to this guy or not. And I think that they should have just gone with the title change on Sunday. If that's your ultimate plan, go with your plan. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. I didn't like this at all. The, the way they set this up. And I, I don't know. Well, it's, it's clearly just, not working. Uh, no, you know, it's not. For all they've, their effort in trying to make Brock uh, the sympathetic home like uh, the actual wrestler against the outsider Brock Lesnar, all it served was to turn people against both of them when it came time for the actual match. So uh, I think, yeah, like you mentioned, Saudi Arabia will probably be a very different reaction, uh, probably a much more positive reaction for both men. Not, not really the kind of, I would, you know, uh, smart mark type of reaction. So I'm I'm guessing they just want to save up for that and think just of stay this- the course. Think of this as well in the storyline, okay? It's been reported, the fact, about he can have a UFC fight as part of this. But that's not mentioned in any of this. The story is that Brock chose WWE like he's staying. Mm-hmm. Yes. He chose WWE. Mm-hmm. And as well, I mean, maybe a smaller thing. But the fact that they're doing this match in a cage... I think I think that's going to make this. I mean, the crowd hopefully is going to be really hot. You're going to have whatever it is, fifty thousand people. But imagine that match from Sunday way, and imagine they couldn't have left the ring. They're in a cage. You're saying it, it won't be as good of a match. I don't think it will be. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I think they. I think the crowd's going to dig. The crowd can certainly elevate that match significantly depending on how hot they are. But anyway, that is our match for three weeks from now. Samoa Joe returned. He came out. Joe was great here. This was a great promo. Mm-hmm. He says Lesnar not only beat Reigns, he exposed him. Reigns is a failure, a liar, and every time that he, him and Lesnar fight, Lesnar destroys him, and Lesnar gets richer while Reigns just makes excuses. So he's going to be waiting for Reigns after he loses to Lesnar, and they can face off at Backlash in May. So you've got to keep all this straight as they're promoting two shows over the next month. Um, but I thought this was a good promo from Joe. Really good. I mean, I thought he the dude just came out full of confidence, delivers his shit perfectly, and then just calmly walks to the back. He looked great here. And he, he, he to me, was the best. Of all the returns and call-ups, I thought Joe was the one that made the biggest uh, impact on the show. Yeah. And again, I, I feel like this guy is another star player that they, they just need to you know, put into that position. Uh, I, for me, I, I, I really want to see him go to SmackDown and be treated like that monster champion that I think they could have on that role. Cause in terms of in-ring ability, in terms of his uh, microphone ability, I think that guy is top, top level. So uh, I hope they see that too. Uh, just so I don't forget uh, the WWE network also put out their updated subscriber number. So for those curious, they, Announced 2,124,000 total subscribers and 1,808,000 of those are paid 316,000 free subscribers uh, that they announced Monday. And that paid figure, that also takes into account all the discounts that they've had for different promotions this year as well. So um, was that number higher than you anticipated way? We had both kind of talked about this last week that they would definitely pass 2 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, two million healthy, num- healthy think, number. Yeah, I think I think about what what I personally expected. Um, it felt like a pretty hot mania. So 
at least going into it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not really surprised. Uh, then they plugged the fact that there was going to be a new WWE 24 airing right after Raw on the 25th anniversary of Raw. Titus O'Neil and Apollo versus Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Hardy's with the Andre Trophy. They are going to set out on an expedition of gold, and we cut to Bray laughing, and then they transport their way to the ring. The crowd starts chanting, the whole world's in his hands. Coach Bray- says this is a football <laughs> chant. Oh, God. Coach is an idiot. Cole uh, just reams him out, and justifiably so. Oh, he, and, and Coach is arguing, and he's like, oh, well, well, they're, they're chanting it like a football chant. Coach did not have a good show. When the authors were out, Corey Graves was just exposing Coach that, like, he's never seen this team before, so he doesn't know anything about them. Oh, he's just an idiot. Like, just shut the... F- just... Whoa. Please. No, Man, I mean, like... You, you, you've been hanging out at too many Ring of Honor shows. Oh, yes, I have, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I, I just, like, I hate it when, I don't know if this is, okay, he could even be intentional, sure, then, okay, you got me, coach, but, I mean, I just hate it when, like, people try to sound smart, and then when they're called out for it, they they just, like, say, like, oh, I meant something else, I didn't mean that, uh, I'm still right, uh, yeah, he just doesn't, yeah, he's just, he was just really embarrassing himself here. In wrestling, the the term for that is, I was just working, brother. Yes, yes, of course. Ha ha, got you. I won't. I was, I was, I was working. Titus and Apollo against Matt Hardy and Bray. Uh, I didn't think this was a very good match. Uh, Bray attacked Apollo with forearms to the back of the head. Then Matt continued. There was a side effect to Titus. Apollo goes for the save, but Matt and Titus just remain in like this pinning situation where Titus just stays on the floor and Matt's on top of him. But the count stopped. Titus, the announcers say, doesn't know where he is. Sister Abigail into a twist of fate, and Matt pinned Apollo in 507. Again, like talking about, I, I think, the the lack of importance of the actual wrestling on this show. Think about the matches that we've seen on this show, okay? The the highest level of star power we we will see on this show is, uh, I suppose, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn or, or Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. And those guys were in the kickoff, or sorry, near the kickoff. They're in the opening match. Everybody else on this show was 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 in the battle royals. So uh, I don't expect any of the matches to be really uh, like. I can't believe the crowd reacted even as good as they did to, to certain matches like this. But they, they're they're really more about storylines, and especially here, I think the the team of Bray and Matt together reinvigorates Bray Wyatt. Gave him a very positive reaction here. Um, the match I agree with you was probably nothing, <laughs> not that, not that, not that great, but I think it was just more about the chanting and the characters and stuff like that. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Uh, these two easily best match on the show. Uh, Zayn started with a Haluva kick that missed. And then these guys just had a 10 minute sprint here. Blue thunder bomb by Zayn for a two count. Owens with a, a cannonball into the corner, then followed with a frog splash. Zayn returned with a haluva kick, and then Owens rolled under the rope. Owens then hit a pop a power bomb, but in executing it, Owens knocked himself to the floor that you have to go back and watch. Owens then hit a fisherman buster off the turnbuckle, and then both men are left laying, and the referee counts 10, and they both get counted out on their backs at 10-14, and they announce that neither gets a raw contract and the crowd starts chanting TNA. And I believe even a new Japan champ again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very funny. <laughs> yeah. So neither of them will be joining raw 
Uh, and with the shakeup, does this mean that neither are eligible? That's what they said on the show. Okay. Well, um, that that is interesting. I guess. What What do you think happens with these two? I like the I like the NXT idea a lot. I th- I think they should do it. I think it would it would um, it kind of helps NXT because now they're going to go through the usual period where a bunch of guys get taken off their roster. That it's kind of a some interest level in NXT to go check out what's happening there. And I think it's good for the NXT talent to work with guys like these two who could use a little revitalization for like one cycle and it peaks at a takeover. And then you have the angle to bring them back to the main roster when it's an acceptable amount of time that they've left the roster and then have to come back. I think that would be the best plan. They're going to be such baby faces though. And then I cool. Let them be baby faces there. Or, or it will take one promo for Owens to turn that audience. One yes. promo. I think it would be really great. Yeah, we'll but see. Anyway. Jeff walks into Matt backstage. Jeff tried to call Matt, and he left him a voicemail. But it must have been deleted. Bray walks up and calls him Brother Nero. They hug. Sister Abigail has been rendered obsolete. Bray feels wonderful. And then we cut to the reaction shots of Balor and Rollins, who could learn something from John Cena. For this, reaction shots, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if, this, if this broken character uh, gimmick dies, this will be the segment I will blame. Oh. I, mean, I, I thought it was amusing, you know? It was just a segment of acknowledging that, hey, Matt and Jeff are both here. But one is very different now, and the other is still normal. But the normal guy still has a bit of the weird within him, right? Jeff ju- Jeff was just doing a parody here of this character. I don't know. Jeff just seemed so weird here. Well, Jeff was... Okay, so this is normal Jeff Hardy. But within him, I mean, this is regular, you know, uh, imagination Jeff Hardy. Uh, and he happens to have these alien roots and here he is speaking to his alien brother in his alien language Got it. Uh, while his two buddies lo- watch on. Next week in Hartford, they promote the Superstar Shakeup, the revival against Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, and long-awaited, the Bailey-Sasha Banks singles match. Mm-hmm. Then, The Miz, Curtis Axel, and Bo Dallas took on Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and Jeff Hardy to close the show. Uh, Hardy hit the poetry in motion off of Balor's back to Dallas. They went through a commercial break. Uh, they were they had the heat on Balor for a long amount of time. Tag was made to Hardy. He hit the whisper in the wind. Hot tag is made to Rollins, who hit a suicide dive to all three members of the Miz Tourage. The crowd starts chanting, burn it down. And then a superplex Falcon Arrow combo to Miz. Balor hit a Topicon hero to Dallas and Axel. And then Rollins rolled through on a schoolboy attempt, hitting the Miz with the stomp and pinned him in 13 minutes 57 seconds, and then they all took turns hitting their moves onto Dallas and Axel with the twist of fate, coup de gras, swanton, stomp, and then they casually walked up the ramp. The announcers thanked us for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for WrestleMania week. Bye. Bye, Michael. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Yeah. And that was it. That was the end of Raw. Mm-hmm. It was a Raw After Mania that I think offered some good mid-tier surprises. Uh, a number of, you know, I would say, again, mid-tier NXT call-ups. I guess in the case of Ember, she she is sort of a main eventer. Uh, but I would say overall, nothing in the way of major announcements. 
Um, you know, it, and also the wrestling felt incredibly inconsequential, especially after watching what we've seen over the past week. Yeah, I mean, this show, this year especially, they were kind of heavy on talent that were all ready to come back from injuries. Um, not unlike that year, um, that year in Dallas when there were a bunch coming back too. But anyway, um, yeah, there were just there were a lot on this show that I think by the end of the show you didn't even remember. No way, Jose, uh, and maybe even Bobby Lashley. But that's what they have in the weeks to come is to establish those kinds of uh, characters and performers that are either being called up or returning. But um, yeah, this show was all about just surprises, returns, news in the case of the superstar shakeup and Paige's retirement and setting up the both the greatest Royal Rumble and backlash. So um, there's a lot of things that they have going on with the shakeup next week and then those two shows that they're all kind of promoting at once. And that was really it. Um, I would say all in all, like this wasn't necessarily a raw. It kept my attention, certainly, with a, with a lot going on. But I can't say it was any type of highlight of the weekend. This was like a tea uh, late at night that you just want to, oh, you know, tea. to sit down in a chair and sip on a tea. Oh, okay. Like it's it's not going to be the most entertaining part of your day. It's mm-hmm. not anything you're really going to remember all that much, but it's just after all the chaos, it's a little soothing. Is that what you want out of a wrestling show? Soothing. Yes. For three hours. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Long. Anyway, that was raw. Let's go to the forum. Let's see what the listeners thought. What do you think, Way? Scale of one to ten. Higher or lower than, say, six? First of all, let's let's talk about what they voted WrestleMania because we didn't get a chance to get to it. Do you have uh, the results? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, so in a scale of 1 to 20, this is Which, what... by the way, I was going to do for WrestleMania 1 to 100. It doesn't let us go higher than 20, unfortunately. I was going to do the ultimate numeric poll for you WrestleMania. You should have done 1 to 34. I don't think it... It said it caps out at 20. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So out of 1 to 20, what do you think this audience thought? 13. 13.21. Whoa. Damn. I, I, I did not check that either. Wow, okay. I, I know our listenership. Okay, so 13.21, that's about 7 points or 6.8. Okay. Oh, if, if I had asked you, right as Daniel Bryan was making his entrance to vote, what would you have put it at that point in the show? Oh, it's hard to, to do that, though. You know, you can't really do that. It was on track, on course to becoming a 9, 9, yeah, 9.2, 9 point something. You mean 19, because this was to 20. I I don't like the scale of twenty, dude. <laughs> Why not? It's it's important. Nobody nobody ever does twenty. It doesn't make it more important. In the end, yes, like it, it does. It's just hard. It's hard to compare with the other scales. Like who does scales of twenty? But anyway, whatever. It's fine. Oh, man, way just killing the whole gimmick of. 20. All right, what did our audience think of tonight's RAW? Okay, what did you think? Higher or lower than six? I've already seen it. Damn, a seven, seven out of ten. Show seventy percent. Mm-hmm. That's respectable. Steven writes in. Enjoyable Raw, as usual after Mania. I like the Hardy and Wyatt interaction with Jeff. I could see them winning the tag belts. Same goes for Triple R. Even though I really hate pushing the rowdy part, I hope they don't plan on doing a singles match against Stephanie, even though it looks that is the direction. That does feel like they match, that they are... I could see that being the SummerSlam match, to be honest, way. Even though maybe people want to see something fresh with Ronda, um, I could see Stephanie being the singles match. I I actually saw this as Stephanie just kind of going away for a while. I and did too, but I think we will eventually see her return. But yeah, I think Hunter and Stephanie now take their usual 
disappearance from television. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you want to keep going? Uh, I'm not going to go through all of this. Oh, okay. uh, the Paige segment made me feel really sad, even though we already knew this was going to happen. Hopefully Paige won't continue to make bad life choices and find something meaningful to do that is not wrestling. The whole Reigns story is really boring to me. I don't see, I don't want to see Lesnar as champion, nor Reigns. This feels like a never-ending story, and I cannot wait. And cannot wait until it's finally over. Sam from Glasgow. A shockingly good Raw after Mania. It's past 4 a.m. in Scotland, and I'm not regret- regretting being awake still. The only issue is the leaked script being all over Twitter, so the returns and debuts are spoiled. I hope that's not a regular occurrence. Or you could just not look at it, if that matters to you. Sean from Toronto. Other than the usual NXT call-ups and returns, this is probably one of the weaker post-WrestleMania Raws I could think of. That said, Paige's sudden retirement speech was the highlight of the show for me, and I truly felt sad about how her career was cut short so young, especially since she was one of the first female wrestlers in recent years to move past the Divas image, and she remained one of my favorites. Dustin from Maui. It was a great Raw tonight with all of the surprise debuts. Who do you see making their debut tomorrow on SmackDown? Um... I could see Almas. Um, Big Cass is ready to return. Um, and I guess you could just save him He's for the shake-off. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how much they'll honor that. But maybe if they do feel the need to do that, they'll save him for the shake-off. Like, we saw him uh, walking around the press area last night. So he's there in, or- in New Orleans. That is kind of odd because, yeah, last year they saved a number of debuts for the NXT debuts for the shake-up, didn't they? Yeah. Or at least, uh, actually, that was a draft. Maybe not yeah. so much the shake-up. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Um, yeah, I could see... I, I think the Tuesday would be more like NXT call-ups rather than names returning. Like, like really, Cass is the only one that, uh, that comes to mind that is kind of ready to return. Jesse from the Six. Next year, after I am inevitably disappointed by WrestleMania, I must remind myself to calm down because I'll probably be entertained by the next night's Raw. Very good show tonight. It was refreshing to see the WWE work with its audience instead of against it like last night. Do you think they're ditching Ellering because he doesn't want to be in the road? It would be a silly decision otherwise. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure that that plays into it, but I think that was made pretty clear that he's not going to be part of the main roster act. He goes on to say, uh, about the idea that the crowd were disrespecting the main event last night, why are people so quick to morally censure the audience when it was Vince McMahon who booked a 260-pound former UFC champion to legitimately strike another man in the head in the hopes he would create a laceration and that this would somehow make the whole the wholly rejected multi-year story he's been trying to tell more popular? That was really reckless and irresponsible. Uh, I don't disagree with Jesse. I brought up that point. I, I hate these stupid spots that they do. They've done it a few times with Lesnar where he just... like tears open a guy with like punches or forearms. And I think it's totally irresponsible to do stuff like that. All right. We go to uh Bernie from Chicago. I'm sure I'm in the mi- minority here, but I really did not like this episode of raw. It was the weakest raw after mania in recent memory. The few highlights for me were Owens and Zane pages, retirement ma- speech and the promo Samojo cut on Roman. In my opinion, Ember Moon needed more time in NXT and no way Jose has another Adam Rose like feel that I think the fans will turn on very quickly. Just an average Raw, hoping for a better SmackDown, but I don't think we will get too much storytelling until the superstar shakeup is complete. All right, let's uh, let's skip down. There's quite a few here. Jay from Colorado. 
Everything tonight was near perfect. Lots of great debuts, interesting new angles, and returning greats. Even Bray Wyatt is interesting again. I'm thoroughly sports entertained. Also, I want to give some quick thoughts on the WWE VR experience. It's pretty cool for the most part. You get to see the action up close from all sorts of different and unique angles. You really feel like you're there in the middle of the action. But sometimes it puts you right above the ring post, and it's disjointing to look down and see a post protruding from your abdomen. Also, during the fast lane clips, there's an awkward part where you are inches away from Randy Orton's gyrating crotch. It made me <laughs> consider whether virtual reality was a good idea. Maybe we as species aren't ready for this level of immersion. Still, I'll continue to watch it, Orton crotch or not, because it's very cool. I've tried a little bit of it. I haven't watched the whole uh, fast lane show, but I saw like the trailer for it. But I think it's it's a great idea. I think it's it it really just like it puts you into the corner. Like the corner post is essentially where you'll be watching the show. Uh, and that's good and bad, I think, when it comes to wrestling. It's a completely different viewpoint than I think any of us have ever watched a professional wrestling match. But it kind of ruins it a little bit because you are so close. You're essentially seeing a lot of the little uh, nuances that I think kind of expose you know, the match. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I mean, it's, it's neat. It, it is neat. We got a mark from Vaughn who asked, do you think there will ever come a breaking point with Roman where they just try somebody else? I hated the Russo-esque promo he cut as if we were about to shoot on the creative brother. (laughs) The stuff he was saying made no sense as if Brock used his pull to change the mania finish. My hope is after he wins the title in Saudi Arabia, Joe takes it from him. That guy just has the aura of someone you'd pay to watch on pay-per-view. Yeah, I hated tonight's promo. Everything that was great about Roman's segment last year after beating The Undertaker, this was the opposite. This this year, I hated it. Um, I I don't see them ending this uh, this several year long odyssey uh, for Roman Reigns. But I'll say the last forty eight hours have really. Uh, if if you were somebody that was on board with the Roman push, I think you would be a bit soured over the last two nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's continue on here. James is in Japan. Nice opening segment. Hilarious heel turn by JoJo asking for respect. Enjoyed the NXT call-ups of Moon and AOP, but unfortunately see no way Jose disappearing into jobber territory soon. Emotional promo from Paige. It's always sad when a performer has to quit early due to injury. Interesting that she seems to be leaving as opposed to sticking around as a manager. We go to Derek from Chicago. I wasn't as overwhelmed by the post-Mania Raw as I usually am. Not a bad show, but nothing really blew me away. I'm glad Paige got to go out to thank the crowd. It is awful that she has to retire at such a, such a young age, but kudos to her for a very heartfelt speech. Andrew from New Orleans. Super fun Raw tonight after spending eight plus hours in the Superdome yesterday. Three hours in the Smoothie King Center felt like the shortest Raw in years. The crowd was involved but respectful. Biggest pops were for Ronda Rousey, Bobby Lashley, Samoa Joe, Elias, and Kurt Angle's joke about TNA. Also, people really enjoyed yelling, Adam Cole, baby. The Owen Zane match was outstanding, but I think most of the crowd's silence uh, was based on not knowing for who they should cheer. The page retirement was moving and poignant. It felt real, and I hope that she finds a way to utilize her talents while continuing to improve her health. After the show went off the air, Seth Rollins got on the mic and asked if anyone had a beach ball. He said the fans have had all the fun the last few years, and he wanted to get in on it. Dozens of beach balls started flying. I had only seen one that night. Rollins, Balor, and Hardy spent about 10 minutes batting around beach balls and taking pictures with fans. It was great meeting y'all Sunday. Hope your time in New Orleans was pleasant. Thanks for the stickers. Well, thanks for that live report, Andrew. What a, what a post-match that sounds like. That sounds fun. I lo- I'd love to see that. Um, hmm. 
And I wonder if that's something they will use to try to combat this beach ball thing by just getting the, the crowd's fill of beach balls at some other portion of the show. All right. Is that it? Yes. All right. Thank you, everyone, for your feedback. Uh, I tried to get to as much of it as possible. Uh, Way and I desperately need uh, just a few hours of sleep, but do not fret. We will be back on Tuesday night with Rewind a Smackdown because all of these matches we've been watching over the last couple of nights, all the events, all the traveling, it all peaks with Mark Andrews, Drew Gulak, 205 Live, Tuesday night, the real main event of WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans. Are you ready, Way? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so ready. Yes. Exciting stuff. Uh, So that is coming up on Tuesday night. We'll have a review of SmackDown and 205 Live. Uh, We will probably not. uh, We are going to chat about the Andre the Giant documentary, but not on Tuesday night's show. We will get to that um, at a later date. So keep tuned in for that. Uh, So that is it for us, uh, for Waiting. I'm John Pollock, and we'll speak with you Tuesday night.